0: Uh, had gone through so many difficulties in his life, and it, and it was really hard to see it, really hard to understand, uh, because actually he was a pretty decent guy. Uh, he seemed to be in many respects kind and gentle. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, he had a lot of health problems, and and sadly, he was part of a a very difficult marriage and had been married, uh, by the time that uh, his wife passed away, had been married well over 50 years, uh, yet they never even celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, Such was the state of their relationship. And I remember thinking and praying for this person and really challenging God and wondering why. You know, why this person who who loved Jesus had gone through so much difficulty and so much pain and and so much struggle. And it was interesting because this person was uh, uh, from uh, another place in the United States and and had uh, an extended family in the place where he was from uh, and many friends and things. And almost universally, all the people that he had grown up with had not followed Jesus. They had gone through uh, all kinds of problems in their lives. They'd gone through broken relationships. And even though this man had had two children who loved him very much and honored him, uh, almost all of his friends, I mean, had, had kids that did just despicable things. Uh, like uh, one set of kids, uh, they put their, their dad in a, a care home. Uh, asked, uh, well, first they asked their dad, Uh, to give them power of attorney as he was getting older. And they said, you know, well, you might need care or something like that. So trustingly, he signed over power of attorney to the kids, and then they promptly put him in a care home, sold his home, uh, and squandered the resources for themselves. Uh, And it was just extraordinary. And so I was praying for this guy and asking the Lord about this, and all of a sudden, God gave me a picture of this person And what he would have been like had he not gone through all the struggles that he had gone through. And the picture was truly awful. Instead of being a follower of Jesus who would have blessed many, many people with his life, he would have been a highly corrupt individual who would have brought a lot of harm to a lot of people. And it really challenged me and and caused me to look at this and caused me to think more deeply about the kinds of struggles that we go through. And in this guy's case, his struggles were what helped to define him as a follower of Jesus Christ, and his struggles were what helped refine him so that he would be Uh, a good servant of Jesus and would be a blessing to many, many people. And this man, literally, through his ministry, he touched the lives of people around the world, which never would have happened had he not gone through so many struggles, had he not gone through so much suffering. Now, oftentimes in the church, we get a lot of messages like, you know, follow Jesus, your life's going to get better. Uh, you'll have all your needs met, you know, come to church, you know, because it's going to be like a, a family uh, and we're going to love each other. And sometimes I think, you know, did you people never grow up in a family? Because you know, we know what families are like and the struggles that sometimes come out of families. And, and we have all these expectations. And, and a lot of times what people do is they, they want to soft sell Christianity in order to sell Christianity to people who don't really know if they want to buy into Jesus or not. But in the end, what we end up doing is giving an unrealistic expectation for what the Christian life is going to be like. And then many people, when they encounter struggles, when they encounter difficulty, when they encounter suffering, will start to think, what's wrong with God or what's wrong with me? You know, so then they'll get in and say, well, maybe I'm stupid, maybe I'm, I'm incapable, maybe, maybe I'm worthless, and, and it's because of my lack of faith or, you know, one thing or another that, you know, that that's why I'm not following the good things are not happening to me. Uh, or they could say, well, God, you know, you're treating one person in this way, but you treat me in this way, and, and I don't understand it, and they get bitter at God. When actually, what we begin to learn is that God's perspective is always broader than our perspective. And God's perspective encompasses not only who we are in this life, but who we are in the world to come. And we learn, too, that living the good life does not mean that everything goes perfectly as planned. Living the good life does not mean that everything works out. Living the good life does not depend on whether the equipment works or that it doesn't work, whether people cooperate or they don't cooperate, whether the government is favorable to you or unfavorable, whether the weather is good or the weather is bad. Living the good life is deeper than all of that. And in order to live the good life, we must learn how to suffer well. I wanted to call it suffer good, but that didn't quite sound right. But if we're going to live the good life, we need to learn how to suffer well because we all will suffer. We all will be afflicted from time to time. We all will go through struggles from time to time. We all will have challenges from time to time. We all will face times when people seem to be against us, when people are talking badly about us, where people don't seem to like us, and where people are not cooperating with us. We all will go through experiences where leaders seem to be against us and followers will not follow. We will all go through times when when stuff just doesn't work like it's supposed to. When computers uh, just stop working and equipment stops functioning. We will all go through times when we're exposed to colds and things and we we get down, we get sick. We all go through these things. And the difference is not whether or not somebody goes through them, but the difference in living the good life is how you go through these things. The good life is not determined by the presence or absence of suffering. The good life is determined by how you live through the presence of suffering in your life. Because it will happen to us all. We all will go through it, and the Bible tells us that we will go through it. The Bible tells us that we will experience it. It's only in the new heaven and the new earth where the old order is passed away that these things will be gone. So, if we're going to live life to the fullest, we need to learn how to suffer well. You know, and we all know we've known people who don't suffer well, right? You know, people who whine all the time. Oh, well, you know, why doesn't God? You know, why did my life work out? You know, and nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I, I, I just, I, I, you know, and they want to go around and they want to talk to everybody about how bad things are. You know, it's a it's a kind of person where if they if they won a, a million pounds in the lottery tomorrow, they'd start thinking, "Well, you know, it's nice to have a million pounds, but now I'm going to have all these people begging me for money." You know, it's a it's a the kind of people that no matter what happens, you know, they'll find something to complain about. We all know that. Or are we seen uh other people, you know, where uh yeah, even, even in the best of times, they just see all the bad stuff around them. And they don't suffer well. And they can't handle pain. They can't handle difficulty. It's the kind of situation where if somebody's corrected in their behavior, they get offended and they walk away. Instead of trying to understand and see what God is saying. We've known people who don't suffer well. And if you do not learn how to suffer well, you cannot live the good life. If you do not learn how to suffer well, you cannot live the good life. And these passages we read today are really about learning how to suffer well. Now what is suffering? Suffering is anything you're going through that seems to be unpleasant to you. You know, when somebody brings me a hot cherry pie, that's not suffering in my book. You know, that's very pleasant. But anything that is unpleasant qualifies as suffering. So if you're having a a row with your good friends, that's suffering. Uh, If you're feeling under the weather, that's suffering. You know, anything that's unpleasant to you is is kind of a, a suffering or a kind of affliction. So how do we learn how to suffer well? How do we learn how to suffer well? Well, it's important to understand as an overarching principle for what we're picking out of the Scripture here that suffering well is not a passive thing. When we're talking about suffering well, we're not talking about saying, Oh, okay, well, I just got to get through this and I, I won't do anything. If you're going to suffer well, you have to take action. If you're going to suffer well, you have to take responsibility. If you're going to suffer well, you have to be committed to it, to suffering well. That's absolutely essential. Otherwise, it will never happen. It will never happen. So, how do we suffer well? How do we learn how to suffer well? Well, first of all, we need to build our faith for suffering well. We need to build our faith for suffering well. Now, by the way, when I'm talking about suffering well as well, I'm not saying that you're going to like it. Nobody likes to suffer. I, at least I don't think. Anybody here like to suffer? Because I could talk to God on your behalf if you do. No, okay, I, I just want to be sure. Nobody likes suffering. You know, It's a bit like what... Uh, uh, The writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. It's not something that we volunteer for. At least if we have, you know, a a clue. We don't like to do it. We don't want to do it. But the truth is you can do it. So suffering well means not that you like it, but that you choose to take action in the midst of the unpleasantness, in the midst of the suffering, you take action in order to endure it and come out on the other side of it. And also when I say suffering well, what we mean by this is not saying Oh, it's okay. You know that uh, I just I, I'm really sick, and and I just went bankrupt, and and uh, my car died, and uh, a bird uh, dumped on my head. You know, but that's okay. Praise Jesus. You know, that's not suffering well. That's just trying to be oblivious to the circumstances of your life. You know, suffering well, as part of living the good life, means that you allow the suffering to accomplish everything possible in your life for good. Suffering well means that you go through it, you allow it to build your endurance, to increase your strength and come out of it on the other side a better person. Suffering well means as you go through it, you're honoring Jesus, you're giving glory to God and looking for ways to bless others. Uh, And these are all part of this idea of suffering well. So how do we do this? How do we accomplish all of this? We can. And it's important to note that we have the Spirit of God living inside of us so we can all do this. This is not a work just brought up by our flesh. This is something that the Spirit of God does inside of us. So how do we do it? Well, first of all, we need to have faith for suffering well. We need to have faith for suffering well. And there are several declarations that we see here in the scripture that actually increases our faith for suffering well. First is found there in Psalm 119, and we mentioned that uh, back in the autumn. It's a declaration the psalmist says, you do good, you are good, and you do good. We need to have the faith that God is good and that God does good. One of the big reasons why many people don't learn to suffer well is they think that God's out to get them. They think that God's bad in this scenario, that God is evil in this scenario. And so I need to take charge of my life because if there was really a a good God, then he wouldn't let me suffer. And that's not the case. That's not a biblical picture. But you have to start out with You are good and you do good because God is incapable of not doing good. He has to do good because he is good. Goodness is a fundamental aspect of his character. And so to suffer well, we make that first declaration. The second one also comes from the psalmist. It's there in verse 65. And the psalmist says, You have dealt well with me According to your word. It's one thing to say that God is good and that God does good. It's another thing to say, God, you've dealt well with me. You've done good with me according to your word. But we have to make that declaration. If you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot say anything other than God has dealt well with you according to his word. Because you don't get the hell that you deserve. So that's the second declaration. You have dealt well with me according to the word, according to your word. The third declaration comes from uh, there in Jeremiah chapter 18. It's a story about the potter and the clay. And he's talking about Israel in general, but it also refers to us individually. And this is, you are the potter and I am the clay. In the the picture that Jeremiah had, the potter was working, but the pot was spoiled. And so the potter reworked the pot so that it accomplished its purpose. And we all have brokenness in our lives. We all have areas of our lives where we are spoiled. And God needs to rework us in order to accomplish the good that he wants to do in us. It's like the man that I told you about at the beginning of the sermon. God had to work in his life to rework him, to remold him, so that he could become the influencer that he was affecting the nations with his life. So you are the potter, I am the clay. And then a fourth thing comes again from Psalm 119. And this is the hardest one for us to say. It is good for me that I was afflicted so that I might learn. Excuse me. It is good for me that I was afflicted so that I might learn. That's hard. But that's exactly what the psalmist says. It's good, God, that I went through suffering because in suffering I learn. That's one of the primary reasons that we go through suffering and affliction so that we can learn. You know, I'm stronger in my life. You know why I have so much confidence in God's ability to bless me over Satan's ability to curse me is because Satan has worked a lot to curse me in my life. And it's as I've I've stood strong in the midst of that cursing and that attack that I learned that God's going to bless me. And I've gone through years of Seasons that have lasted years of difficulty and struggle only to come out and see the blessing of God. So I know I've tried God, I've tested God, and I can say with confidence in my life it was good for me that I was afflicted so that I could learn. Now, I didn't want to be afflicted and I'm not asking God to afflict me more so I can learn more. I'm really happy right now in my life to learn from other people's affliction. You know, but just, just be, be assured that I'm not praying God afflict my people so that I can learn from their affliction. Uh, and please don't pray that for me anymore either, okay? But that's the next declaration. It is good for me that I was afflicted so that I might learn. And then the fifth declaration comes there from Peter, and it is, I will be blessed. So we have to have faith that God is good and that God does good, that God has dealt well with us according to his word, that we are the, the, uh, he is the potter and we are the clay, and he can mold us so that our destiny might be fulfilled, that it is good for us to be afflicted so that we might learn, but in the end, we will be blessed. And if you don't have the faith in these areas, it's almost impossible to suffer well because you'll either challenge God and question God, challenge other people and question them, or challenge yourself. And you know, sometimes we suffer and there's nothing wrong with us and there's nothing wrong with God and there's nothing wrong with anybody in our lives. It just happens. But God can use it. And so we have to have that faith. Then out of that faith... We need to learn how to suffer well in two broad situations. First of all, we learn how to suffer well when we have done wrong or we have made a mistake. What do we do when we've done wrong? Because a lot of our suffering in our lives comes because of our own mistakes. Comes because of our own wrongdoing. So how do we suffer well in that when it's our fault, when it's our situation? Well, firstly, we need to take responsibility for our actions and our attitudes. We need to take responsibility. A lot of people do not learn from their mistakes because they don't take responsibility for their mistakes. They, don't say, they say, well, you know, it was this person, it was my boss, it, it, it was this person, it was my parents, it, it was the government, it's my context. You know, all these kinds of things, and we don't take responsibility. But you have to take responsibility for both your actions and your attitudes. And then you need to accept the consequences that happen to you. You know, in some situations, the consequences can be rather dire. In other situations, it almost seems like we get away without too many consequences, but we need to accept the consequences, not dodge them. Thirdly, we need to learn and not repeat those same mistakes. A lot of times we just go back and do the same thing over and over and over and over and and we get in the same situation and then we get angry at God or we get angry at other people and we want to blame them but then you have to go back and take responsibility for your actions and your attitudes. Learn. The best way not to do it is learn and accept uh, and, and learn and don't repeat your mistakes and then finally seek God's mercy. Because if we learn, if we are learning through the suffering that we end up inflicting on ourselves because of our own choices, then God is often very merciful to us and removes many of those consequences and helps us through that. So when we do wrong, when we suffer because of our own wrongdoing, we can do these things and we can suffer well and come through it. And it's amazing how, when you do these things, in most situations, the outcome is actually rather good. But we have to do that out of faith. But then, there are times when we experience various afflictions and sufferings through no fault of our own. You know, sometimes it's just because we live in a messed up, broken, sinful world. You know, bad things happen and the, the sin and the failings of human beings cause a lot of grief and misery. You look at the famine right now. And most people say that the famine that's going on, the, the several millions of people that are threatened with starvation right now, that it is almost 100% due to human sinfulness. Do You know, we have enough food to feed the world easily. Do you know, the United States alone can produce enough food to feed the world. Why doesn't that happen? It's because of human sinfulness. greed, war, strife, all of those things lead to famine. You know, so sometimes really difficult things happen in our lives through no fault of our own, but because we're in a broken world. And sometimes things happen because people are persecuting us. Sometimes they persecute us because we're Christians. Uh, Sometimes uh, they persecute us just simply because they don't like us. Sometimes they they might seem to be against us because of things that we've done and choices that we have made. Uh, And sometimes people are just demonically motivated not to like Christians. I've been in contexts where uh, either I've walked in and people suddenly start swearing, or I walk in and people suddenly stop swearing. And that's often evidence of demonic activity in those kinds of situations. So how do we suffer well in the midst of those kinds of situations? Well, Peter gives us a lot of advice here in this passage. First of all, Peter tells us to be zealous for what is good. No matter what is happening to us, no matter what the level of suffering our affliction we're going through. We need to be zealous for what is good. We need to be zealous to do good. We need to be zealous for good attitudes. We need to be zealous to do good to other people. We need to be zealous for what is good. Be zealous for what is good. Then the second thing Peter tells us is to have no fear. Have no fear. Now, this is, this is kind of the, the image here. It would be a bit like you take a cup of fear, like I'm holding this cup of water, you take a cup of fear and somebody is trying to hand it to you and you say, no, I'm going to have no fear. You know, so situations will try to cause fear in your life and you just say, I'm going to have none of that. I don't want it. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to have no fear. I'm going to have no fear. And then the third thing, is do not be troubled. And this is the biggest. I mean, this is really the struggle. The idea here behind troubled is don't let it unsettle you. Don't lose your poise. Don't lose your good behavior. Because this is what happens. It happens to me all the time. I mean, I I constantly struggle with this. Things aren't going well. I'm dealing with affliction. I'm dealing with suffering. And then I start to get grumpy. I get angry, you know, and I just begin to lose my poise, lose my focus, and and do things or say things or think things that I don't want to do. And I'm just constantly turning back. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't really want that. I I reject that. And I'm really having to struggle with that because when affliction happens to us, we can easily lose our poise and start going into bad attitudes and actions. And what Peter says here is, do not be troubled. Do not let this happen to yourself. Take a step back and resist this. Number four, Peter says, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In other words, in the midst of the struggle to say, you know, Jesus, you are my Lord I honor you. I'm going to serve you and you alone. And I know that you can take me through this difficult situation. I know that you can lead me through this time. And so I'm going to honor you as my Lord. And then we need to be able to defend our hope. To say, you know, I have hope. And this is where we go back to those faith statements. And we say, you know, God, you are good and you do good. And I know that you will bless me. So I have hope. And that's what Peter is talking about here. When other people ask you about it, you can say, hey, God is good, and he does good, and I know I'm his child, and even though I'm going through affliction, I have hope that he's going to use this for my good and to bless me because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of attitude that Peter's talking about. But as we do it, we must show gentleness and respect to others keeping a good conscience. You know, this is the other area where we really mess up. None of us like to suffer. None of us like to struggle. And so a lot of times when we're going through it, that's when we get kind of terse with other people and we get short and sharp and we start to pick on an attitude uh, and that kind of thing. And Peter says, don't do this. Stay with gentleness and respect. If you want to suffer well, hold on to that gentleness and respect in a good conscience And then finally, we are called to learn from our suffering. We learn from our suffering. We need to learn good judgment and knowledge. That's what the psalmist said, you know, because I've gone through affliction, I'm learning good judgment and knowledge. When we go through suffering, it helps us to learn how to be better. It helps us to learn how to make good decisions. A second thing that we need to learn is we learn God's ways. It's what the psalmist was saying. You know, I've learned your statutes, I've learned your commandments. What is he saying? He's saying, I've learned your ways, and I'm going to follow your ways, I'm going to walk in your ways. And that's going to be my motivation. And finally, we learn to become like Jesus. Because after all, Jesus is our example of suffering. It was Jesus that hung on the cross. It was Jesus that went there. And you know, one of the most startling things about the cross is the prophecy in Isaiah 53, where it says it was the Lord's will to crush him. Do you know it was God's will that Jesus would suffer? And Jesus willingly bore the will of his Father to suffer. Jesus wasn't forced into this, Jesus wasn't coerced into it. He wasn't reluctant. But he stepped into it. Of course, he said, Father, you know, if, if, if I don't have to do this, I don't want to. And that's perfectly a good attitude. But not my will, but yours be done. And that's where Jesus was in this whole thing. And we can learn from Jesus. Unfortunately, suffering well is part of the good life. And we can never live the good life unless we learn how to suffer well. But based, armed with our faith in a God who is good, who does good, with belief in Jesus who has redeemed us for good, we can live the good life and suffer well. Let's pray. Father God, it's such a hard thing to think about suffering. Suffering at all, let, it, let alone suffering well. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand the things that we're going through individually. I know so many people in our in our fellowship are dealing with issues like this in their lives. And I pray, Lord God, that you give them grace and mercy to know what is happening and then to respond to it in a healthy way. We honor you, we praise you, we thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. And Lord, thank you for the journey you're leading us on to to lead the good life. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.